0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1st Peter chapter 1 and we're actually going to not get to the verses that are mentioned in your bulletin because I want to spend a little more time on the passage that we looked at last week so we're actually going to look at verses 8 through 12 this morning and Peter's writing to Christians scattered throughout the world several years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and after establishing the fact that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are exiles in this world in which we experience both the brokenness of the world as well as the joys of being in a relationship with God. In that context, Peter writes the following. And also I also want to just mention this. When Peter refers to you in these verses, he's referring to the plural you. The, not just you individually, but you all. And so I'm going to, I'm going to interject that. I'm not sure if your translation has that, but I want us to get the sense that he's talking to a group of people. He's talking to all believers that are scattered throughout the world at that time that this letter was written to. So he says, Though you all have not seen him, you all love him. Though you all do not now see him, you all believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what sufferings or what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, in the things that now have been announced to you, through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. This is the word of the Lord. You know, yesterday, uh, my wife and I took a baby gift over to some friends of ours. They just recently had a baby three weeks ago. And it brought back some memories of you know, when Celia uh, was pregnant with our children. And one thing I noticed with dealing with pregnancy is that uh, you have these symptoms that occur early on. Now, some of us, we don't, we don't really know what that means or what that feels like, like myself. But, you know, we've known someone who has been pregnant or whatnot. So I think we can understand to some degree there are symptoms that come along with the whole process of pregnancy. And so, but earlier on, early on, you know, you have these symptoms and you're not real sure what's happening, you know. But as time goes on, you realize, oh yes, um, something is in fact happening. I'm having a baby. And you know, this this baby's on the way. And you're not sure of the time or the details. Now we try to discern the time. You know, we set the due date out there, which they rarely come on that day. You know, it's a guesstimate. Even with our technology, we still don't know exactly when It's going to happen. But we know it's going to happen at some point. And as time goes on, we kind of gain more and more detail as the pregnancy progresses. And as I was reading this passage, especially these last few verses, I want to look at those first and then we'll jump into the the first couple. But in many ways, the Old Testament is like a pregnancy. You know, Peter writes in verses 10 through 12, he says, concerning the salvation, he's talking about the verses he just mentioned before that. As Jews and Gentiles, the way we are brought into the people of God is through the Son of God, through Jesus Christ, and what He's done for us through His life, death, resurrection. It is through Jesus Christ that we're all brought into the family of God. And so Peter says, concerning this salvation, what God accomplished through Jesus Christ, he says, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was yours, to be yours, searched And inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the in the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that now have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. See, this period before the coming of Christ was pregnant with anticipation that God was going to send this Messiah, this one who will deliver people from their sin. And so the prophets, they they didn't know exactly how that was all going to pan out. They didn't know the exact detail. And so it says, you know, while God was giving them this word to speak to his people, the prophets were wondering, you know. We're talking about this deliverer that's to come. I wonder who it's going to be, how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, but they didn't know. You know, it's like that pregnancy. You know the baby's on its way, but you don't have all the details. Is it a boy? Is it a girl? When's it going to be born? I wonder what it's going to look like. You're not real sure, but you know it's going to happen somewhere down the line, but you're you're not sure of the timing yet or you're unclear of the details. And so we see that in the Old Testament. There was this, expectation this anticipation that it is coming it's going to happen but we don't know exactly the details and so the prophets were wondering and inquiring about what god was going to do and how he was going to do it exactly and the apostle paul writes in galatians 4 verses 4 and 5 he says but when the fullness of time had come god sent forth his son born of woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so the time came, and Christ was born. He came, we just celebrated it through the Advent season, the coming of Christ. And there were many who saw Christ, who walked with Jesus Christ, who learned from Jesus Christ, and who were sent out by Christ. And we refer to these as the apostles. And one of those apostles, the Apostle Peter, is writing... He wrote the letter that we're studying today, and he's writing this letter to those who have never seen Jesus. They've never seen him. They've just heard about him. So in a sense, the Old Testament believers were in a state of kind of pregnancy, waiting until the coming of Christ, anticipating the coming of Christ. And yet at the same time, we, as the audience of Peter's letter to some degree, we we ourselves have never seen Jesus. And so we are anticipating as well. We're waiting for His return, His coming again. And we see this type of language used in the New Testament. You know, speaking of the events coming at the close of the age, you know, Jesus refers to you know, wars and rumors of wars. And He talks about how all these things in Matthew 24, 8, He says, All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. So there's a sense in which the age that we're living in now is pregnant with anticipation of what Christ is going to do. The Apostle Paul tells the Christians in Rome, in Romans 8, 22 and 23, he says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. So in other words as followers of Jesus Christ Peter says earlier in this in this chapter chapter 1 of 1 Peter that we've been born again to a living hope and so in a, in one sense we have the presence of Christ and yet on the other hand we're waiting and anticipating his coming again when he will renew all things. That sounds a lot kind of like a pregnancy, doesn't it? Doesn't it? You, know, you're, you have the, the baby's there, he's present, but he's, he hasn't, he's not there yet. You can't see him yet. He's, it's not there in its fullness. And that's kind of how we are in the church age, this age now where people are responding to Christ by faith, not by sight. And so we eagerly await for this, this completion of redemption. You know, I don't know how many of you like movies, but if you've watched movies either on a DVD or maybe you've been in the movie theater, you know, usually you have these previews to the movie, right? right. And so I was sitting in a movie, I think we saw a kid's movie several months back, and I saw, I don't know if it was in this movie, I can't remember exactly when, but there was this preview to, uh, you know, the movie Les Mis that's, that's come out several weeks ago. And there was all this buzz about this movie, it's going to be this musical and the way they did the musical is going to be cutting edge and all these different things. And so you saw the preview, and if it's a good preview, and it's a good movie that it's previewing, when you see these bits and pieces of the movie, you're kind of drawn in and you want to see the movie. You know, you're you're counting down the days to the opening day where you get to line up and you get to get your ticket and you get to try to find a seat and see the whole movie It's the preview. And that's kind of what we see here in... First Peter, I believe that we can experience now by faith the presence of Jesus, but yet we're waiting and anticipating the fullness of what is to come, the full picture, so to speak. Now, the question, though, that that prompts in our minds is that, OK, if if you cannot see Christ, then can you love and trust and enjoy someone who you, whom you cannot see? I mean, we use, we use phrases like, uh, it was love at first sight. Well, what if you can't see them? I mean, can you love someone that you cannot see? Can you trust someone that you cannot see? Or can you enjoy a relationship with someone you cannot see? And that question got me thinking about this idea of, of loving, trusting, enjoying someone you cannot see. And then I was led to an article that was written by a blind man. And the article was about how someone who physically cannot see enters a relationship with somebody. Now I was curious. I was thinking, okay, I can't see Jesus, and yet I love Him, I trust Him, I enjoy my relationship with Him. You know, How do you explain that? Can, is there any way that we can make some parallels here? And I think we got the picture of the pregnancy there that... You know, there's something there. It's present, but it's not there in its fullness yet. And so it's coming where we will see. But then I also thought about this. Well, what if you were blind? If you're physically blind, can you have a loving relationship with somebody? Well, sure you can. But the question is, well, how do you you get to know the person? You can't see it. And so as as I was reading this article, I found that, yes, in fact... People that cannot see still have healthy, growing, loving relationships, people that they trust, people that they enjoy in their lives. But how do they enter those relationships? Because they can't see them. And the author of this article mentioned a couple things. One is, yes, we cannot see them, but we can hear them. And a lot, you can tell a lot about somebody by their voice. And the second thing he mentioned was that you can, you can gather information about that other person through your friends that can see. Maybe it's your brother or your good friend. And they can physically see. And so you just ask them, well, tell me about this person. What do you see you know, as you look at them? And so it was, it's through these other sources and other ways of gaining information about the person that they can enter a relationship with the person. Even though they cannot physically see them. Do you remember what Jesus said to Thomas after he was raised from the dead and he appeared to the disciples? First of all, this is what Thomas said. Okay, Thomas, you know he's pondering all these things. He had seen Christ prior to the resurrection. He saw him die on the cross. He was buried. And now he's hearing about Jesus you know, rising from the dead and he is... Uh, ...told that Christ has appeared to the followers of, of his and, you know, he's put in this position. Will he believe in Jesus or not? Will he continue to follow Jesus as the Messiah or will he not? Will he believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead or will he not? And Thomas said in John 20, 25, he says, Unless I see his hands, in his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails... And place my hand into his side, I will never believe. He's having this discussion with the disciples. He said, you, I know you, you said you've seen him, but unless I see him and touch him, I will never believe. Well, Jesus appears to the, his followers, including Thomas, and he says to them, He says to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So the question is, Can we, can we Love, can we believe? Can we enjoy a relationship with Jesus Christ, with God Himself, if we can't see Him? Well, the Apostle Peter, coming from a position of sight, because he has seen Jesus, he's walked with Jesus, he's been sent out by Jesus, he's coming from a position of sight, in a way he commends and marvels at his audience because of their love for the unseen Jesus. He writes this in verse 8. He says, Though you all have not seen him, you love him. Now, why do you love someone? I was talking to Sayyid the other day, and I just said, you know, why do we why do we love people? Like what, what makes us love this person? Well, in a, I guess a general sense, we, we see some good in it, in them. We, We see some good or some beauty in them, and so we love them because of that. And so I got to thinking, you know, how do these people love Jesus if they've never seen Him? Well, first of all, they had to know something about Jesus, and that information comes from those who have seen Him. Peter. Peter walked with Him for three years. He's relaying the information about who Jesus is, and as they hear about Jesus... They're just caught up in it and say, we love him because of who he is, his character, his beauty, his goodness. We love him. Why do we love him? Well, not only is he good in and of himself, but look what he's done for us. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope. He's he's not only good in and of himself and deserving all of our love and affection no matter what he's done, but yet he stepped down out of heaven and died on the cross on our behalf. And He's accomplished our salvation. And so not only is He beautiful and good in who He is, but look what He's done for us. So we're drawn in to love Him. You know, Helen Keller said, The best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. I think that's why Jesus said, you know, blessed are those who have not even seen me yet. They've just heard of me, and yet they believe. They love. They trust. They enjoy me. Peter goes on to say, though you all do not now see Him, see him you all believe in Him. So not only do you love Him, but you believe in Him. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So those who have heard about Jesus Christ and believe it, they they say, okay, I am convinced that Jesus is who He says He is and that He's going to do what He says He will do. There's a conviction there. There's this assurance that comes along with that. Now what makes you trust someone? Well, it's it's their track record. You know, it's... Can they be trusted, their their trustworthiness? And so Peter says, although you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And then he goes on to say, and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So let me ask you a question. What makes you enjoy someone? Just think about it. Someone you enjoy being around. Why do you enjoy being around them? You know, I was thinking about this, and I'm sure there are other reasons, but the first one that came to my mind was that I enjoy being around people that just bring out the goodness of of mankind and humanity and, and the world. And, and the reflection of the goodness of God. In other words, I love being around people that give life. Don't you? You just love being around them. They just, they, yes, they have difficulties, they're not perfect, but they just seem to breathe life into the situation. You just like being around them. And I think, how do we enjoy Jesus Christ? Well, He's the giver of life. Peter says, you've been born again to a living hope. Well, how'd you do that? Well, you didn't. It says that he calls us to be born again to a living hope. Jesus Christ, he's the giver of life. And so we enjoy him because he brings out the goodness and who we are and who you are in the world. He's continually bringing that out in anticipation for when he makes it all good, all the time. And he says here that, That we rejoice with joy. We rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. Now tell me me if this is true of you. You All of us face difficulty. And he just got finished talking about this in a few verses in chapter 1. That we all face various trials and we're grieved by them, but yet we rejoice in the midst of them. How do you do that? How do you have this joy in that you see the suffering, you see the trials, you see the disappointment, and yet you don't see Christ, and yet you're filled with joy? Well, he says, you know, you know Him, you know of Him, you hear His promises, you believe in Him, you hear about Him, therefore you love Him for who He is and what He's going to do and what He has done for you. And yet in the midst of life, you experience joy that's inexpressible. What does that mean? Well, at the very least, I think it means this. That the way you respond to life cannot be explained in any other way except that you have faith in Jesus Christ. That means when you face the trial, when you face the difficulty, when you face life, how you respond Shows the world where your joy is. So Peter's writing these Christians scattered throughout the Roman world. And he's saying, it's amazing what God is doing. How you love Jesus even though you've never seen Him. You haven't seen Him yet, you believe in Him, you trust Him. And not only that, you enjoy Him. You're walking through life, enjoying Christ you have stability in Christ. You walk through the trials of life with faith in Jesus Christ. You have a joy. You have a, a, a rock, a foundation in your life that is inexpressible apart from you believe in Jesus Christ. So our joy as christians is rooted in the person of christ and the salvation that he's provided for us. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you have those symptoms? You know, we talked about that pregnancy. Do you there are symptoms that come along with it? If you have christ, there should be some symptoms here. A love for him. A trust in him. An enjoyment of him. Do you have those symptoms? I mean, do you do you see that in your life? Is your life pregnant with the presence of Christ? This anticipation as well that he's coming. If you don't, if you do not have these symptoms, then I invite you this morning to place your faith in Christ. You've heard about him. You can read about him in the scripture. You see him for who he is, you read his promises. Maybe today it's time to place your faith in Him, love Him, trust Him, enjoy Him. I invite you to move from being in a position of blindness to being in a position where you can see Him with the eyes of faith. Moving from a position of deadness to moving to a position of having life in Him. So if that's you this morning, I encourage you to place your faith in Christ this morning. If you are in Christ and perhaps you're just struggling and you, know, and you say, Ron, you know, I hear this. I applaud those in the Roman world in the first century that loved Christ, enjoyed Christ, believed in Christ, though they had not seen Christ. You know, but I'm struggling. You know, I, I'm having a hard time loving Christ. or I'm having a hard time enjoying Christ. I'm having a hard time believing in Christ. Then I ask you to consider coming before Him. And just tell him, tell him about that. And like I prayed this morning, ask the Lord, make us new. Make us different than we were when we came in. Continue to work in our lives. Give us that craving for Him. Only He can do that. And I want to challenge you to ask the Lord to do that this morning. So let us pray together. Lord, we are so thankful that You have made Yourself known. You tell us You've made Yourself known through what has been made and You've made Yourself known specifically through Your Word, the Scripture. And as we read about You, Lord, uh, we love You. As we read Your promises, we believe in You. We trust You. Lord, and even in the midst of difficulty, disappointment, consequence. Lord, we want to enjoy you more and more. We want to be rooted and grounded in who you are and what you're doing and what you will do. Lord, you tell us you give us peace not like the world gives. You give us peace with God. Completely satisfied through what you've done for us on the cross. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here who has not experienced that, who doesn't know You, who doesn't love You, who doesn't trust You, who doesn't enjoy You, that today they would place their faith in You. That You would give them eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray for those who do know You that are struggling or seeking out Your direction, and guidance, Your provision. I pray You would meet them in a special way today. And by Your Holy Spirit, You would fill them with confidence and assurance that Not only can they love you, but you love them. And you have a plan for them. Lord, and we all come to you in different places, but worshiping you for what you've done through Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.